Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed Podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. So hello, everybody. We are in the French-speaking part of Switzerland in a community whose name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> and I'm here with Les Martin. So Les is a member of the Order of the Mustard Seed, and we're actually both attending the new monastic roundtable that happens every August. But Les got the award for coming from the furthest distance away. So where did you come from, Les? I came from Oyo, Nigeria. So that's, how long was that trip for you? It took about two and a half days, oh, if, you, if you include the car ride. Yeah, that car ride, we talked about that, right? Seven yeah. <laughs> hours for 100 kilometers. Not yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> but you made it. You're here. And um, so, poor Les, I just grabbed him about 10 minutes ago and said, hey, can we come and talk about the order of the mustard seed? So I would love if you could tell our listeners um, why the OMS and why would somebody living in Nigeria want to connect in with this dispersed movement? Sure, I'm glad to. The, uh, the reason is that word connect. Um, I've been involved in uh, theological education in the missionary field really since about 1999. And I've been living in Nigeria full time for, go well, I'm in my sixth year. And the dilemma for what I do, uh, education is largely a one-on-one -on -one thing. You're in a classroom with a bunch of students. You're not living necessarily in a missionary compound. Uh, you're not necessarily traveling back for support meetings or the traditional things missionaries like, like might do. Like member care weeks and right, those types of things. Right. Yeah. And part of what I realized that brought me into the OMS was I was looking deeply for uh, a connection. Uh, I don't feel that I'm as effective as an educator or as a Christian, for that matter, if I'm not connected to other people and particularly other people who um, have similar commitments. Mm -hmm. So even if, the, uh, even if the locale or the context is different, uh, the, the choices to uh, be committed to truth and mission and justice and trying to be kind uh, and, and proclaim uh, the truth of the gospel wherever we find ourselves, that was really important to me. And I said, I want to be a part of that. And it was, I was literally looking on the internet for some kind of spiritual society that, That's could, right, I was that could support ask, me. Yeah. How did you find us? I mean, uh, way off in Nigeria. So. I found it on the internet. <laughs> uh, apparently not long after the uh, website appeared. Which is www.orderofthemustardseed.com. <laughs> I, was, I was looking for a religious society that might support people involved in mission and justice. Wow. And you found us. Mm-hmm. And we're so glad that you did, oh, Les. Well, thank we're you. Really thank grateful. You. Tell us a little bit about a little bit more about your context in Nigeria. Sure, I um I have spent most of my time in Nigeria either in theological seminary education or I've just finished a two-year period at the uh, Anglican University where I taught both theology students but also the general undergrad population. Mm -hmm. And generally, whatever wherever I am, what I'm trying to do is pass on what we have in the West. We have been so blessed with centuries of scholarship and tradition and really a culture of learning. The center of gravity in world Christianity is moving. And I've, I've kind of seen it as my responsibility to pass on everything that I've been a beneficiary of before the center of gravity shifts totally. Yeah. Because they're going to need it. 
they're the ones who are going to carry it ahead in the next generation, not us. Mm -hmm. And I want to give them everything they, that I can while I still have breath so that they can take it uh, in the future. Oh, that's a wonderful calling. So let's um, talk to me a little bit. What was your preparation like? So you, you weren't in geographic proximity with other members of the order. You were far away. Sure. Um, well, you know, the order allows for the cohorts to be online. And I was assigned to three people who I had no idea who was. Complete strangers. Uh, complete strangers. One of whom uh, saw my picture on Facebook. I'm, I'm an ordained uh, Anglican priest. And he saw the collar. And his first thought was, oh, why do I have to be in a group with him? <laughs> Um, and God did a wonderful thing. Uh, that cohort, we still talk on a regular basis. They're some of my, um, the closest friends in my life. Hmm. Uh, and I wasn't even looking for that. I was looking for the necessary training. And I got uh, three wonderful friends in the process that really keep me going. Yeah. Uh, so the cohort experience, um, it wasn't always easy for any of us. We're spread all over um, Northern Europe. Yeah. Central Europe, and then uh, I was the outlier in Nigeria. Uh, at any given point, one of our internet connections wasn't working. Oh. <laughs> um, we had to track, we had to change schedules and all. But it was a real blessing, and you know, we live at a remarkable time. I was looking for these old promises of things like community and accountability, and yet for for all the problems with. Uh, what social media can do, what, what uh, electronic technology can do to a society. Uh, in this case, um, social media was what enabled us to create community. Yeah. And it was not without its challenges, but it's been one of the most meaningful things I've ever had. Wonderful. Oh, so good. So, so talk to me about, normally when I'm interviewing people, I ask them, is there a particular vow of the three vows or of the six practices that maybe at this moment feels... It's on the front burner for you. Something in particular that's sort of fulminating in your life or God's working mm -hmm. on with you. Is there one that you'd like to talk about? Uh, consistently for me, it's kindness. And I've heard a lot of people say that. But in my context, kindness is... It's the same challenge I had in America. It's the same challenge I have with my Western friends. But it's just in sharper relief. Mm. Because the culture is so different... And because I am frequently misunderstood and I frequently misunderstand the people around me. Yeah. And because I'm living there day in and day out and it's hard, uh, it is very easy not to be kind. Mm -hmm. um, it is very easy to look at the lack of electricity or the fact that people's sense of personal space or behavior is different and to lose kindness. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to say keeping the vow has made me more kind. Uh, that would be a lie. <laughs> what, what has happened is that having the vow keeps me aware of where I still need to grow. Yeah. Uh, which is to say that I don't know that I'm any more kind. You'd have to ask my friends and my family. Well, you can ask your wife. You yeah. can ask my wife, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I'm any more kind, but I'm aware of the journey of kindness that's in front of me. Okay. Uh, I'm aware of how far I have to go. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes the first step is admitting you have a problem, the 12-step people say. And uh, I have a problem with kindness, and I've got a journey ahead of me. But at least I'm starting to get a map, and I'm aware of where I can be impatient or less than understanding. Yeah. So let's talk um, for a little bit about vows then. I, I know that one of the reasons you... 
you're here in Switzerland and not Nigeria, is that you're participating in the Adventure of 300. This is a program mm -hmm. that's been developed by a community, a 24-7 community in Switzerland to help cultivate and, and challenge people, help people birth new monastic expressions. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're coming as a participant, but then you found yourself teaching yeah. a little bit as well about vows. So mm -hmm. talk to us about vows. Well, I think the first thing I'd want to say is a little expansion of what I just said about about my vow of kindness. Yeah. And that is that I know that making promises or vows can be very anxiety producing for a lot of Christians. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it has to be. Uh, it does, however, reveal our shortcomings. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I find a certain liberation and a certain sense of direction from my failure in the vows. Mm. Um, they they give me a perception of myself. It's like getting a medical checkup. And so even though I'm very happy when I, uh, when I keep my vows, I'm, I'm also learning, a growing edge for me is being increasingly happy when I've failed to keep my vows. Yeah. Because God provides the grace anyway, and I know where my home is at the last day. It's not about, <laughs> it's not about a test, it's, yeah. it's about a way of life. And I think it's useful sometimes for me to see where that way of life isn't complete yet. Uh, they, they'd asked me to speak because uh, I am an Anglican priest. Uh, this year in December, I will celebrate 25 years living under those vows. Yeah. And I'm in my fifth year of my marriage, which is another set of vows. And so they just said, say some things about vows. Uh, I think the biggest thing that's important to me about vows in my life and in my life in the world we live in today is that... I am not just a consumer. Mm. I am not just someone who has unrestricted free choice. Um, and when I bind myself to vows, there's a certain freedom. Vows are a way for me to say no, uh, which is to say that whenever I choose something, I'm not choosing other things. Uh, as I said, I'm an Anglican priest. I love Presbyterians. I love Baptists. I love Roman Catholics. I love Lutherans, etc., etc. But there was a point in my life that it seemed that God was asking me to choose one thing. Yeah. And it entailed saying no to some other things. That's very countercultural. It's been very important to me that I am not just a collection of likes and dislikes, but that... As Eugene Peterson says, I'm trying to endure a long obedience in one direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever kind of vow it is, our marriage vows, our vows of friendship, the vows of the OMS, what I have found is that I actually become more myself as I bind myself to things. And that the freedom from things is, in fact, not freedom. It's just a really strange form of slavery. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well... If I am constantly seeing myself as a, as a free individual, free from commitments, free from relationships, free from I can do anything beliefs. I want, yeah. whatever I want. If I, well, and I wind up doing nothing. Yeah. Um, I wind up just satisfying my um, basis desires. I sit on the couch all day and eat potato chips and spend time on Facebook. Now, that's me. It may be different people do different things. But it's, it's the binding to things that gives me true freedom.
Mm. Uh, I have discovered, I've been married a very short time now, about five years, and I, I didn't expect this relationship. I'm, it's later in my life than I expected. And I'm discovering more of who I am, not by being a single individual floating around in the world uh, looking for other single individuals, but that being the husband of Kate releases me for a freedom that I would have never had otherwise. That's beautiful. So you're more yourself. I am more bound myself. yourself to another. Yes. Having bound myself to my wife, I'm discovering who I am finally. Mm -hmm. And I really mean that. And having bound myself to the OMS, uh, I've found a community. I've found the support I was looking for. I'm becoming more myself. But I'm becoming my, more myself by actually saying no to a whole lot of other things. And I think our consumeristic culture doesn't really ever want us to say no. It's yes, more now. I at least am finding by saying no, not that, not that, just this, and this again tomorrow, and this again the next day, yeah. that that's where my freedom and my real identity lies. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, talk to us. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about where you find that in the scriptures and where it's been life-giving in the scriptures? Uh, sure. Well, uh, you know, they're all the Old Testament uh, precursors. Um, particularly one of the things that we spoke about during the A300 program was the notion of the Nazarites, that for all sorts of people, it's appropriate to take a vow for a season mm -hmm. and to set yourself apart um, to follow the Lord or to grow, 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 close, grow closer to the Lord or grow closer to his people. You know, the fun thing about the Nazarite vow is we don't know why the hair growing or why the no alcohol. Yeah, so, so that um, was, tell us a little bit more because not everybody would sure. be familiar with well, the Nazarite Well, the Nazarite vow, the best place you're going to find it is in, is in the story of Samson, mm -hmm. although you can also see some reflections of it in John the Baptist and some other people uh, throughout Scripture. But it's this temporary vow, or at least potentially temporary, where you abstain from alcohol, you grow your hair out, you don't cut your hair for the duration of the vow, and you stay away from dead things, which was important to the Jewish people anyway. But the remarkable thing here is it's not really clear why those things make you a sign of the Lord. Okay. I mean, alcohol is not a bad thing for the Jewish people. Uh, cutting your hair is not a bad thing. And yet somehow it is these three symbols that will indicate that you are set apart for the Lord, either for a season or for much longer. Um, and I think where we pull that today, I mean, I like to cut my hair, but where we, where we pull that for today is the same thing. Our choices in our vows may be seemingly arbitrary to anyone else, but that they help us be assigned, assigned to ourselves, uh, assigned to the people around us. I get a lot of questions in Nigeria about my, uh, my OMS ring. Uh, they say, what is that? They understand the wedding ring, but they say, what is that? And it gives me a chance just to say, well, this is a symbol of some promises I've made to God that hopefully make me a better Christian. Um, better not in the sense that God loves me more or that I'm better at it, but better at the sense, as I was saying earlier, that by saying no to some things and recognizing even where I fail in the things I say yes to, um, that I'm identifying myself, that I'm coming into a clearer knowledge of God's will for me and God's will for how his love would be shown through my life. Um, we see vows elsewhere in scripture. Mary's yes is a vow. Yes, I'll have this child. 
Um, Let it be unto me, as you have said. Exactly. Yeah. It's dangerous, yes. It is. It is. And uh, more so hers than perhaps some of ours. But whenever we say yes, um, again, as I was saying earlier, it entails the saying no to other things. But whenever we say yes, there's, a, there's an ability for God to use that. And talk, talk to me more about that. We say yes, and then mm -hmm. there's an ability for God to use that. Well, I, I do think that uh, my theological conviction is that God is always the primary actor. He acts, we respond, not the other way around. But the response is necessary uh, in the sense that I've got to make some room in, in myself for God to do what I'm asking him to do. Ah. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's a dangerous thing. I... Uh, when I was 17, I asked Jesus to please be my Lord and to, to make of my life what he wanted. And now at 51, I live in Nigeria. Uh, that was not my plan. Uh, <laughs> An unexpected <laughs> journey. But, but you say yes. And then when you say yes and say you, you can have some room in me, then God rearranges the, the furniture to suit his purposes. One of the things I like about the vows is it's an intentional way for me to say yes. Uh, it's an intentional way for me to say, Lord, find your purpose for me in this marriage, in my service to this particular Christian tradition, uh, in the OMS. Help me, uh, help me figure out how to be a good OMS member, not with a fancy ring or a written customary, but to my friends on the Internet, to my friends when I meet in, uh, in conferences like this one, or even to strangers. Lord, I've said yes, so go ahead and rearrange me as you will, and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's that interior renovation yes. that comes. Yes. Yeah. I, it's always on the inside for me. My outside will follow whatever my inside is, not the other way around. Yeah. So what's, what's the next yes for you, Les? Well, I would invite everyone to pray. I have no idea. We're at a very interesting point. My two-year contract at the university has just finished, yeah. uh, and my wife and I are discerning what's next. Actually, uh, we moved out of our apartment on the university grounds, and then I boarded the plane for Switzerland. Okay, well then. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in a time of saying, what is the next yes, Lord? We're here, and we're trying to be patient, and we're trying to continue to say, use us in accordance with the commitments and the promises we've made together. Uh, but... Honestly, we don't know what the next yes is. I know it'll involve God. I know it'll res uh, involve responding to him. I know that it will involve the commitments I've already made. Nothing, nothing new, just an outgrowth of those. And beyond that, I have no idea. More will be revealed. It better be. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody listening to the podcast, put in a prayer for Les. And remind me your wife. Kate. Les, Les and Kate. Les Kate yeah. in Nigeria. Please. And, uh, and let's see what God wants to do. Well, Les, thank you so much. It's a privilege, Dylan. Thank you. As someone who is, we were talking before the podcast, as someone who's on the fringes, uh, I just want to thank you and the whole leadership team because your response to an email uh, this podcast, other things mean a lot when you're in a faraway place. So thank you for what you do. Oh, my pleasure. Les is always the first person online who clicks like <laughs> when we release the podcast. I won't like this one. <laughs> oh, you will. You will. It'll be good. <laughs> good. Well, Les, can you pray for us? Glad. Gladly. Father, 
you called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, and, and you called the people of Israel to walk dry through the middle of the Red Sea. By the leading of a star, you called the wise men to yourself. I believe you call each of us, and I particularly pray for my sisters and brothers in the OMS and all those who are listening to this podcast who you are calling to be true and, and kind and to proclaim your truth in a particular way. Lord, we, we're trying to follow you, so lead. Um, we're often blind, so in illumine. Uh, we often stumble, so make the path smooth. And wherever we are, whether it's in the more settled parts of the world or the crazier ones, Please give us grace to reflect your redeeming love to everyone we come in contact with. Thanks, God, for all you've done. Help us be part of the solution and not just part of the problem. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.